Good evening, morning, afternoon, night, whenever you find it most convenient and most pleasurable to listen to the Men in Red 97 podcast. As always, I am Alan, the pole with the goal, and that goal is to just get well because I'm still feeling icky. I still got a bit of a cough, a little bit of congestion, and of course, the world just keeps kicking my butt. I am joined, as always, by fellow co-host DJ. I, I was so close to using the screaming goat. Okay, as well as Tim. Hey, good to be back. Yeah, love you. Love you when you guys are here. Love it. Love you and love it when you guys are here. Fantastic stuff. Um, We're, you know, into the MLS Cup playoffs, and uh, we've already had some, you know, some fairly entertaining sets of games, of course. Uh, Is it just the first round that is, uh, or all the rounds, best of three? Just the first round. It's kind of a weird Just format. First so okay. first round is best of three. After that, we get back to single elimination, which like, I don't know how you felt about this format when it was announced. I didn't love it, but then I realized you basically get one game and then every game is kind of like an elimination game for somebody because if you're down a game, then you're out. So other than that first game when like everything is up out in the open, but you still want to get ahead. It's eliminate. It's like do or die for the team that's down a game, and it's win and you advance for the other team. So like that's yeah. kind of made it cooler than I thought it would be. I mean, I would have been all right in the in the idea of having of letting both teams have a home game. I would have been all right with just doing two leg aggregate, but you know, I, I thought the same thing. The kind of cool thing about this format, though, is that like you don't have any incentive to play defensively when you're down by like a goal or two. I guess. Um, like, cause you want to go for it. It's the same thing as like hockey or, or like basketball or like any other sport, but like hockey is the closest example where like you're down by, you know, a goal or two. Mm-hmm. You just have to go for it because like yeah. a win is a win. And that's what matters. It doesn't matter if you're, if you're down to nothing, it doesn't matter if you're down five, nothing you press, you go for it. And if you can manage to tie it up, then it's anybody's game. And if you manage to win, then like you win, you know, yeah, so um, of course, one of the one of the sets of games involved the quote unquote greatest expansion side of all time, or whatever they like to call themselves, the number one seed. Gone, reduced to atoms. As many playoff wins as the fire. Yeah, as many playoff wins as the fire. They do have two more goals in the fire in the playoffs this season, but then again, they had two more games to get them in. So yeah, St. Louis City. Um, Despite that tremendous start, despite having a five-win undefeated streak to begin their their time in MLS, managed to win the top of the Western Conference and win zero playoff games because St. Louis or Sporting Kansas City just completely embarrassed St. Louis at home, and then they went away to Sporting Kansas City, which is not a good environment in the playoffs. Um, as you know, long-term, like very long-term Fire fans are aware. And uh, managed to lose there too. So, what can ah, you do? Ah, 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 is all I'm gonna say. I am, I am very happy for this turn of events. Yeah, amen. Oh, I think they're out of the playoffs. Are- so they're out of the playoffs. Um, we will not have to worry about them for another year. Um, I am very glad that they got knocked out by Sporting KC for no reason other than really. just other than just 
I am a really big fan of the old KC stuff, so I'm like, I love when KC knocks out the top the top dogs in the West. So I kind of love it too. I mean, I love that it's like an OG MLS team beating the newest MLS team in the playoffs. The thing I don't like about it is that I think a lot of us kind of felt like St. Louis is sort of like the natural geographical rival for the fire. And the fact that they had this playoff series on top of the other matches they had this season just sort of has cemented the rivalry, which I think will make the league more hesitant to like, to the extent that it was ever going to be like on the margins of like moving St. Louis and Chicago into the same conference or like having them play each other more often, because I feel like that rivalry now has like reached like epic, like blood curdling scream, like hating each other proportions. And, um, you know, like the, the fire wins against St. Louis two in a week were fun, but I don't think it had the same emotional impact for a lot of people. No. Yeah. I mean, it did for us fire fans and the effect is still felt on social media. So here's the other thing that that did, though, for us. Uh, so St. Louis had three knockout competitions in their first year, the U.S. Open Cup, Leagues Cup, and which had a group stage component of it. So they were guaranteed games and the playoffs where they were guaranteed at least two games. And out of those three knockout competitions with five guaranteed games, they uh, managed six games and had one win. They managed to beat Union Omaha. Um, from USL League One in the round of 32 US Open Cup, and that is it. Mm, yeah. Um, another playoff game, uh, or playoff series, one where a lot of us felt one of the sides were robbed, and that was Vancouver against LAFC. Um, I did see, I saw what happened at the very end of the last game, and it was very interesting to see. You didn't know that the ref was in the WWE. Like legit, the dude just ran into the guy immediately. The second that happens, he should have just called and said, "Listen, I knocked this dude over. We gotta start over because that is directly interfering with play." It's not like a oh, you know, the ref and him just bumped in. The guy kept running. No, the ref knocked the dude over. Like that, that that that's not a thing that you can do, ref. Especially not in that area of the pitch, right, DJ? Yeah, like in that area, that. So this game, that game, and the Vancouver and the Chicago Houston game are two great examples of why rematches are a thing. And in all honesty, I, w- I personally, I'm like Vancouver should just be given the the points, and they should just go play that last game. I'm like, okay, whoever wins this goes through because, like, not does Vancouver win that game? Maybe not. But when the ref calls soft penalty and then bodies a dude. Yeah, yeah it, it was soft. It was soft calls throughout the game. Like the penalty in the 24th minute was soft. Like it, it was just like a classical badly refereed game, right? Like it, it just, it didn't feel like there was one set of rules that every player had to adhere to, which like one of the things I'm really big on is like the referees are there more than anything else for player safety. And when, when they don't establish a clear set of rules of what's allowed and what's not allowed, it makes players confused about it. And that just increases the chances of tension and mistakes, which increases the chances that someone's going to get hurt and possibly have an, an injury that will affect the rest of their career. I mean, take a look at the 2010 world cup final yeah. for all, for so, all the things that Howard Webb, like Howard Webb tried his hardest in that game and he made 
major mistakes, but at least he tried. And like, yeah, some of the calls were iffy. For example, was it Nigel De Jong putting his shoes into I think Busquets's chest? But I mean, like, at least Webb tried. Ford yesterday, I don't even know if he tried. He just tried to be like equal and helpful. Yeah, not not doing his job there. Yeah. yeah. Also, another thing to mu- uh, uh, to note is that uh, FC Dallas they're still they're keep they're still going on uh, after you know they bounced back from a two 0 defeat against Seattle. They won three one, so they are getting that third that third game happening. Which is part of why, like I, I kind of like the non aggregate format. Like I really wanted there to just be a home and home, um, back in the day. But uh, the fact that I mean we don't have it, let's sort of like you know run with what you've got. But it it was kind of fun to see Dallas win at at home, um, and it would have been I guess away goals would have given it to would have given it to Seattle because Dallas didn't get any. So it's cool that that is going to a third game. Um, you know, Jesus Ferreira scored, and anytime he scores from now on, like as a USMNT fan, I'm sort of like, well, I guess Seattle's part of the Caribbean now. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, it was a fun game to watch. Um, it, it was sort of like odd because apparently there was, uh, I think, a college uh, football game at Toyota Stadium before, like at some point before this playoff game. Um, so there were like faint like red iron lines on the pitch. So it was just like it felt like a weird mix of like Chicago Fire Homes, where like you got Toyota logos on one side, like faint, like a stadium, like a, a like a stand for like bands to play on one side of the stadium, and like faint lines from red iron football in the middle, like at Soldier Field. And I was like, oh yeah, like that's like a mix of home. Yeah, feels uh, very good familiar. Old, good old MLS days. Oh man. <laughs> I mean, especially in the playoffs, right? Like, that's like the time that you kind of realize, like, where all it's like, oh, yeah, like that's the middle of football season having a soccer game. Yeah, love that. Of course, uh, other things that are going around, like Houston, they lead a game up against Real Salt Lake, Philly lead a game up against New, uh, New England, Columbus went up against Atlanta, and then Orlando 1 0 up against uh, Nashville. So, yeah, playoffs, time travelers, full swing. Because this is time traveling, I'm, I'm jealous of the listeners because they will know what happens in that game between Houston and Real Salt Lake. Which, like, Houston has played a lot of really fun soccer this season, which I didn't fully understand that they would be doing. Just given I didn't think that Ben Olsen had it in him, but like, it has been a lot of fun to watch. And Real Salt Lake are just like playoff, like crack. Like they they just they sneak into the playoffs every year, and then something insane happens whenever they're in it. And um, so, you it's, know, it was a two to one. It's that Mike McGee power. Mike McGee just secretly supports RSL as well. Yeah, Love that. 100%. So, yeah, like I, I think that that game, which you will know the result of, uh, dear listener, but we do not right now in recording, uh, yeah. should be a lot of fun. I say that and it's going to end up being like zero zero and they're going to penalties and, and like no one's going to make penalties. And then someone's going to like sneak one in that like rolls in off the post or something. And it's going to be the most boring game in history. But whatever. Amen, I say to that. All right, let's get into the bulk of this episode. And that is talking about everyone's favorite guy in this franchise, in the organization that is Chicago Fire Football Club, existing since 1997, Georg Heitz. 
insert r- thunderous roaring applause as everyone loves Georg Heights question mark um, I, I have I have one thing to say what is that one thing to say <laughs> I guess I, I hope that pick, pop, cup I hope that got picked up um blood-curdling scream in case it did not yes um, <laughs> blood-curdling scream of a goat uh Tim, by the way, to, by do, the way, DJ oh. actually that wasn't a sound effect. DJ made that himself. Uh, he did grab a part of his anatomy though, so just so that you know, we can see each other no, on video. All, you can't see all, us. All Floridians, we can just do that. The anatomy part is just for fun. We we just have that screen entailed. We see so many gators. That I'm just filing that under TMI for several reasons. Love that, love that, Tim. Um. I'm pretty sure you can start us off when it comes to the conversation of Georg Heights, right? So, all right. So I'm just going to give a couple of headline facts and then get your guys' opinion about things. I've got a piece about uh, Georg Heights's tenure, which has been four years. Uh, that's going to be coming out probably by the time that this podcast comes out, maybe a day later. Um, it is it is by far the most time that I spent on any single piece I've written for Men in Red. Um, I mean, at this point, it's like nearly as much as I spent on like, I want to say my master's thesis, um, which had a lot more pages in it. I did procrastinate a lot more with my master's thesis, though. So there's that. Um, But he's been sporting director for four years, uh, was named at the end of 2019. And obviously, the fire have not made the playoffs in those four years. Um, In that time, just some headline things. The team are second worst in the league for total win percentage uh, at at 0.256. Sorry, at 0.272 behind Toronto at 0.256. So they've got two more wins than Toronto FC. Um, They are tied for last in the league for every out of all the teams that have been in the league the past four years to non-expansion franchises with 147 goals for. They're 21st in the league um, in goals against. Their goal differential is tied for 25th at negative 45. So that is ahead of only Toronto out of teams that have been in the league um, all four years. They have the 24th, 24 most points out of the league. So that puts them towards the bottom. Um, the league best, by the way, is 223. The Fire have 136. So it has not been smooth sailing except for the fact that the fire have had a very consistent sailing under heights um they averaged exactly one point per game in their first two seasons 2020 and 21 under his tenure uh they improved slightly to about 1.05 in the second season in 2022 and um up another point from there this past season so 40 points in 34 games uh 1.17 points per game um good for you know, basement of the East, basically excluding teams like Toronto that just seemed like they were on a mission to tank it. So not great results. Um, that comes despite the fact that the fire have had some of the highest spending in the league in that span. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about. I mean, to say, I mean, to say disappointed is, you know, an understatement. I feel like majority of us fire fans understand and feel the same thing that, you know, four years in other sports maybe is, you know, 
a um, not a long tenure in other sports where you genuinely need a lot of seasons and a lot of years in order to develop and nurture an organization. But in this sport and in this league, four years is well enough to turn a franchise around, in my opinion. And I feel like that's just basically looking at other franchises that have been able to make some sort of turnaround based on, you know, the last few years or since they've expanded into MLS. It's just sad to see that, you know, it's like, yay, we've made a new commitment of, you know, new owner, uh, quote unquote, new stadium. Well, basically going back to an old stadium, but new, you know, as in an old a site for Sorise, to say the least. Um, for some, at least. Um, I'm just rambling at this point in terms of this stadium because I have my opinions on that. Basically, a lot of new things, a lot of new resources, basically a lot of new in this club. And the one thing that's just not working out is the, the actual product on the pitch. And, of course, people are going to be looking at the person that is bringing that product from other places onto that pitch. So, so yeah. let me give you a quote from the, the week that Georg Heitz was, um, was hired um, into his job when he had an interview with the athletic. Um, he said for his goals for the next season, for sure, we have to make the playoffs for sure. We have to be entertaining. Do you think that has been true of any of the past four seasons under Heights? Nope. There have been the periods where they've been entertaining and periods where they looked like they're a playoff team. Yeah, but that's periods. It hasn't been the yeah. Exactly, that's periods. I mean, There's- you figure in 2021, we literally went, what, like two months without scoring a goal. Like, th- th- that's you can't do that. That's not good. And the fire actually exceeded that record in terms of number of competitive minutes played this year. And our, it was, a, I think, number eight overall um, in terms of like longest goal-scoring droughts in, in league history. Ugh. So, yeah, nah. Periods of... Mo- basically, periods of when the fire were entertaining and when we had genuine hopes of postseason. But that's periods. That's nothing long-term. You know, there's little bloops and blips, but we're used to boops and blips across the last few years, even before heights. Boops and blips of maybe it's possible and nah, it ain't possible. And that's, it's essentially just a continuation of what we saw, just under a new badge and under a new um, owner and new stadium and whatnot, blah, blah, blah. You know, so being made already. Year before heights got the job, uh, the fire finished eighth in a 12-team Eastern Conference with 42 points in 34 games. They have yet to get 42 points in the four years since. They've yet to finish um, in the single digits in the years since. Mm. I know. Just like like we said, blips. Blips and bloops and blops. So I think we can say kind of a disappointing tenure. Um, Heights, so transfer amounts are not public knowledge there has been reporting around them the athletic has done a lot of really good work to sort of like try to contextualize the amount of money spent on transfers um if you have a subscription um i'd highly recommend reading their coverage on this if you yes. don't have a subscription i mean it's honestly kind of like worth getting a subscription just just to read their coverage on mls like 
they do a phenomenal job with it. Plus, I think it's but, like a dollar a month, like right now, up for the athletic. So it's worth it. Oh my god, we so need to get them to, to be to sponsor this podcast. Like we're we're doing the work already. We might as well get paid, right? Um, Legitimately, I love like, reading the I've, athletic. Everyone tweet Tom Bogart. Yeah. <laughs> tweet Tom uh, Guillermo's not with the athletic anymore, but tweet him. Yeah. Please, we'll we'll get you here. Um, so, but in terms of the the data that is public is salary spending data, which the MLS Players Association releases every year. Um, over the past four years, the Flyer have spent the sixth most on on wages in the league. Um, they they're just behind. Um, so the, the top spenders in the league are Toronto, Miami, the Galaxy, Atlanta, LAFC, and then there's the Fire. Um, obviously Miami, their spend increased very significantly this past season. They didn't get a full year to kind of reap the benefits of having, uh, Lionel Messi, this, um, obscure player from, uh, this small town in like that played for a small club in the Basque region in Spain that you may not or may not have heard of called Barcelona. Um, they didn't get the benefits of having him for a full season. Toronto has clearly been skewered for wasting a ton of money on some very high-profile signings that have been very high-profile failures. Um, Atlanta have tried to play like they're at the top of the league. Um, They've sometimes succeeded, sometimes failed. It's been more failures over the past couple seasons. But they swing big, and they've typically made the playoffs, and I think they've sort of steadied the ship to the point where they're becoming more competitors again. And obviously, LAFC, the only other team um, that has spent more than the Flyer over the past uh, four seasons, won MLS Cup in 2022. They won the Supporter Shield in 2022. They made the playoffs three of the past four years and are just considered a basically a perennial contender at this point. And the team that signed immediately less than the Flyer is Seattle, who missed the playoffs one year when they had a ton of injuries, but every other year finished second in the West. And every single time they're in the playoffs, everyone just assumes they they are a contender for winning everything, yeah, because of of their resume, because of the squad that they built. And so the fire are kind of unique. I mean, even Toronto, like Toronto, was the is the only team that hasn't made the playoffs more than once out of those teams that have spent more than the fire in that span. They were three points away from winning the Supporters' Shield in 2020. Admittedly, that was a weird year, um, but probably harder on them than anyone else because they were not playing at home ever because they were playing, I mean, after the first couple games, because they were playing in Florida um, for their home games. And they still managed to finish three points off from winning the Supporters' Shield and made the playoffs that season. Yeah. What year was it that they won MLS Cup? Because they did win it, like 2017. 2017. 2017 they so won everything, and that was six years ago. And th- that was under they they hired Tim Bezbachenko, who is now the sporting director, general manager. I'm not sure of his exact title. I can look it up. But of the Columbus Crew, um, he's from the region, like somewhere in Ohio. So he's kind of coming back home. Um, but they hired him at the end of 2013. So, no, the Fire are one of two teams that has missed the playoffs six years in a row. The other is Toronto. Toronto's stretch of not making the playoffs stretched from 2007, which was their first year in the league, through 2014. 
Um, so that's a total of eight seasons, longer than the fire so far. They hired Tim Bezbachenko um, before that 2014 season. They didn't make the playoffs in 2014. They did in 2015. Uh, they got knocked out in the first round. 2016, they made it to the MLS Cup final. They lost to the Sounders. A year later, they won the Supporters' Shield. They made it back to the MLS Cup final, and they won MLS Cup. Turnaround. After that, Tim Bezbachenko, yeah, exactly, 100%. It was a turnaround. It did not take that long. Uh, they missed the playoffs one year under Bezbachenko. They won the Supporters' Shield two years after that. Um, and like so, I mentioned, this league and the sport in general is one where a turnaround can, this league especially is one where a turnaround can happen quick. If not a year, it can be two or three for, you know, like you mentioned, Toronto went through a major stint when they started, but they flipped that. Even if they're in the current state, the current state where they are right now, they've at least at one point flipped it. I feel like. The, the script is not being flipped. Rather, it's just laying on the table. And all they're doing is applying a sticky note over the year. That's essentially what's happening with our script. So Yeah, so I've mentioned this. There's a piece about heights. I, I, I honestly, I promise you, it's, it's long. Um, you can just look at the pictures if you want because there's a lot of charts. It took me a long time to put together. But um, I do try to lay out... I. I I'm trying to be as objective as possible here. Like I don't have a grudge against heights as a person. I, I don't think that like, I don't think that we should be out with pitchforks or anything like that, but the results have been very underwhelming over the past few years. No team has had as narrow of a band as results as the fire, like even DC United, who are the other team that has failed to make the playoffs in the time since he's been named a sporting director. They also like they went, they had seasons they were a lot closer. They had seasons that went to nearly 1.4 points per game, which is basically a playoff level. The fire haven't been above 1.15. Like it's, it, it hasn't been close for the fire. The fire have played very consistently. They've made signings. They haven't made signings. They've had consistency. They've had inconsistency with like, it hasn't mattered. It's felt like the same team under Heights. Um, and the fact is, since his initial burst of signings, and this is one of the other things in the piece, he really hasn't changed the roster very much. Um, it's been really a lot of the same. Um, so nearly 40% of the minutes played in 2023 by Fire First Team players were played by people that were signed in 2020. Um, half of those basically were homegrowns. Um, an additional 5.9% were signed by players that were signed before Heights was here. That's Fabian Herbers, 100% Fabian Herbers. Um, but, you know, that's a lot of consistency on one hand. On the other hand, more than half the minutes are players that have been signed in the past two years. So there's been changes. And despite all the changes, the results have been incredibly consistent. No, yeah. Incroyable. So <clears throat> I apologize with my cuffs and overall just... Uh, delusion that comes with illness, I guess. Um, if you gentlemen are all right, we can move into discussing not just heights. Uh, we can keep doing that, but also discussing some of the signings under Georg Heights. So, DJ, if you could, because we are all looking at one single screen, we have our little list. We'll be going through pretty much all the players that we have gotten underneath uh, Georg Heights or have been signed to a contract uh, since Georg Heights 
Uh, we have several players that we'll just list from the beginning, and these are the players that have. Wait, wait, wait! First, though, are, the scale. Are we? Oh, are we? Are we doing Mary Kiss Kill, or did we set in different? I'm saying good, bad, good, meh, bad, because yeah. Right, we, yeah, we basically have a tier list of good, meh, and bad, and we also have a separate good and meh for homegrown players, uh, since. You know, they came from the academy, and that's a bit of a different, you know, way that basically Heights may not have been completely influential in terms of those player signings. I know, Tim, you can explain this better. So basically um, every every homegrown signing that has happened over the past several seasons, because, I mean, I mean, Heights has been here a long time, but he hasn't been here like a super long time. Every single signing has been in the academy for a prolonged period before Heights has been here, um, it, including players like Mauricio Pineda, who um, was in the academy, left to go to college, and then came back. And so the fire had an inside track on signing him. Um, for reference, and more Pineda, Pineda played in the fire academy when Blanco was playing for the fire first team. Yes, exactly. Um, you know, and, and other players that have been signed from the academy. Um, like they all were essentially in the academy before Heights was here. So to some extent, like it's sort of like he's been in charge of this ship while they were signed, especially the 2020 class. And, and since then you can kind of like, you know, switch it a little bit more, but like he, he was not really influential in their development or the fact that they were available. And the way that signing home runs works, they basically don't count against the salary cap. And so if there's a player that you think can make a difference that is coming from your academy, you're a, a true fool not to sign them. Amen. So, yes, uh, we have several players that we have in their own special category. And that is, and that is though, uh, that is the player that are, I don't know how to speak English. So something uh, I will, okay, I'll go back to I'll English. take it over from here. Yes, please, DJ. So we have a wait. You're players. from Florida. Wait, 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 wait. So Alan, you're like, I don't know how to speak English anymore. And the guy in Florida is like, oh wait, hold my beer, I got this. Hold <laughs> <laughs> oh, my beer, all English is she. But take it away. So we have a category of players. Uh, Eleven players have been signed under Heights who played less than nine hundred minutes. For reference, the closest one out of all of them is assigning one of the signings they were mentioning, which was by technicality, which is Elliot Collier. Because technically, for those that don't remember, Collier was declined by the fire in 2019, was given a, was given the ability to train with the first team in the 2020 season to trial with them, and they liked him, so they brought him back. Swing. And then he... He played 841 minutes and got kicked back off the team and has currently not played at all this year. Oh, wow. But alongside him, there are the 10 other players who combined across all competitions have played 858 minutes in four seasons. That's not a lot. Which are <clears throat> Nicholas Slanina, uh, Gaga's brother. You have Connor Sparrow, Javi Casas, Alex Moniz, Alan and Misa Rodriguez. You have Sergio Orahel, Victor Bezerra, Justin Reynolds, and Jeff Gall. Yeah, none of them have played for the Fire. Like they've, a few of them have played for the for, for the second team. Everyone but uh, Sparrow, Collier, and Slanina. 
but everyone else is just they they've been non-factors at all. Yeah, pretty they've much. Been on the, they've been, yeah, just pretty much B team or like on the bench in the event of an injury or something. Two of two of them, Alan Rodriguez and Nicholas Vanina, never even made the bench for the fire first team. Yeah, I I remember there was a post by Fox Soccer, I think, that they were like brothers who play in MLS, and they mentioned Gaga and Nicholas and they use a picture of Nick in training because I was like, yeah, this guy has never, I don't, he's never even made the bench. So, full, so off topic a little bit. I feel really bad for Nick Slinina. Um, when he was signed, that was at the height of the logo controversy. Yeah. And everything going on with that. His entire post, the entire announcement of his signing is filled with people talking about the logo. Ah. Uh. Like, nope. Like ninety percent of the people that congratulated him even had a snide comment about the logo. It was like, dudes, can can we, can we just let him have a good like th- this dude deserves to be appreciated for signing for the first team. Can we just? Uh. So it's worth saying that when he signed for the first team, the team had not had really many homegrown players make an impact with with the first team squad, and they also hadn't signed any many academy players. So like it was kind of news in two ways in that fashion. Um it just yeah, it sucks that he was caught in the crossfire on that. Um yeah, for by the reference. Way, well that Elliot Collier slander that you just gave. Uh yeah. <laughs> I mean um, he has not played at all this year, okay? He had eight hundred and eighty eight minutes with San Diego Loyal. I could have sworn that he well I kind of sworn that he played like no games this year. I thought no, I was- 888 minutes. He had two goals and three assists. Oh, well then I was wrong. But um, at the same time, the team is getting demolished by, I guess the forces of a USL squad, just not wanting to coexist with an MLS team in the same city. And uh, for despite those fact- reasons, despite the fact that they open not next year, but the year after. Yeah, and despite the fact that the loyal have a much better logo and logo and identity, um, but uh, yeah, I, I just will not take that Elliot Elliot Collier's Collier. Jeez, why can't I speak right now? Slander. Um, uh, how, how am how am I the drunkest one out of all three of us able to speak the clearest and easiest? I'm on medication, so I'm also a bit Delulu, honestly. <laughs> all right, uh, my dog woke me up at five a.m. So swing. Yeah, it's been a long. Let's day. get into the swing of things. Um, the first player that we have on the docket is. Maurizio Pineda, a homegrown. Good homegrown. Good. He is a good homegrown. That is, and uh, I I'll honestly would go ahead and say he has definitely been one of the best homegrowns, honestly. 100%. Top five, so, top five homegrown players in buyer history are Harry Ship, Chris Brady, Gaga Slina, Brian Gutierrez, and Maurizio Pineda. End of story. Oh, All right. I'm I'm not going to disagree with that list um, off the top of my head, but yeah, I agree with you on that. Like he led the team in minutes in 2021. Um, He fell out of favor under Ezra Hendrickson for reasons that I'm not entirely sure about, to be honest, Um, but regained his standing under Frank Lopas, got a lot of minutes again. I mean, he's been incredibly solid. Uh, He just, he was kind of a peripheral USMNT player for a hot second. So 
yeah, I mean, definitely worth keeping. He's a really good MLS. Like he is such a good, like MLS value signing, especially considering that he's here um, on a homegrown player contract. Amen. Amen. I said that next Um, up. I do have to mention though, he is no longer on a homegrown player contract. He is he's listed as being on one. He's listed as being on one of the season. Although he's, he is now a senior roster player, so he's no longer homegrown. Interesting. Okay, because he, he signed a deal in May, right? May twenty twenty three, but which massively believe- pushes over the the uh, senior minimum. Yeah, the limit. Uh, although, so it's not so much about well. It, this gets complicated. We're getting into the weeds about MLS, but um, he still has been a really good value for the fire. And I, as far as I understand, based on what the announced amount of his deal was uh, this past season, which let me look that up really quickly. Sorry. Listeners. I think he's I at should, like 278,000, two, I think. 286, 220. Yeah. So yeah, he is. So that is to give you an idea. That is around a sixth of what, um, Rafa Chihos makes. So that just seems like a good value considering the number of minutes that he, can, that he can give you considering how versatile he is being able to play like his preferred position is on that back line, but he can play in the D mid as well. Um, and that's been a position of need at certain points with the fire given like injuries and suspensions. So it just seems like a really good value signing um, local boy, like worth keeping around. Amen. I said that. Yes. Um, next on the bracket, uh, one of the first designated players, if not, I'm pretty sure, was he the first? Robert Barrage. So the first designated player. Um, this is, I don't know what y'all are going to say. I'm going to say meh because he had moments like we've talked about, like George Heights and his tenure overall. He had moments. He had good blips. Just not enough, honestly, to 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 sustain him in this league, honestly. So, so I would play. I know some people have their 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 opinion when it comes to Barrage that he had the same problem of like our current strikers that he just couldn't score, but he did actually have a lot of genuine scoring moments, especially near the end of his tenure at the Fire. I personally would put him under Matt, though. So, yeah, so he had a really good year in twenty twenty. Is that what you're about to say, DJ? I was going to say, technically speaking, so I got bored a while back and I made a list of all homegrown, all designated players by total contributions. Barrich is fifth on that list with 23 total contributions. The only person he's behind Shaq, who has 26, and obviously Blanco, Akam, and then Nico, who have so many, so many. Okay, but, but uh, Bossy was playing way further back than, than that. Bashi uh, was, was, was sixth. I know, and I'm saying he was sixth, and he was contributing <laughs> in other ways too. Is my point? Like, it's not like yeah. he was just like because Barrick was kind of a poacher that was sort of yeah, there. Yeah. I mean, having to, like, he had a really good season in 2020, which was a weird time to have a good season. Like, none of us got to see it in person. Um, he was tied for second in the league's Golden Boot race, so he had 12 goals that season. Uh, I want to say it was Diago Rossi from LAFC that won it with 14. Mm. So he was not far back from being the top goal scoring player in the league in 2020. No fire player since has hit double digits and goals. Oh, he's, I mean, that's why I put him at Matt because like he gave 
he had those moments like where we were like, okay, he could be a long term thing, and then he just fell. In twenty twenty one, he did none of that exactly. He so like blew he had a good at the end. He was right. Like, yeah. He he also scored goals at points when they didn't matter, right? Like, yeah. And you want a like goal I'm, score that. Yeah, like I mentioned, it was at the end of his tenure when it was already announced that his contract wouldn't be renewed or that he wouldn't be signing on. Like that's when that was one point where he actually started scoring again. But then he was auditioning apparently for the I, I want to say the Tianyan Tigers in the Chinese yeah. Super League. Yep. Um. So he got picked up by Sporting Kansas City and they shipped him off to China. Yeah. Well, they picked up his option. I don't think any money was involved. They're just like, I mean, fuck it. Like, we'll talk to the guy. Um, That's true. I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, All right. We got to move on to one that's going to be, I think, split slash controversial. Miguel Angel Navarro. I I low-key want to say Matt as well. Because I, uh, man gets a lot of hate, and get me, get this. I gave him a lot of hate. I definitely gave him a lot of hate. But he oh, has. I will say he's given just like Barrett. He's given blips. Maybe not as many blips, but good blips, like good defensive blips. Though at the same time, he's given a lot of good defensive oofs that have resulted in oofs. But I, I think I think so. He here has I'm, some I'm okay. So. What what is the scale based on? Because if the scale is based on players on the fire the past few years, I want to say he's good. Yeah, um, I I'm saying throughout his entire career. Because so if you look he, through his entire career, basically he went. He's been better, but he hasn't been good. He hasn't been really, so that's, really good. That's one of the things. So one of the things that you know Miguel Navarro would give you was some solid defensive play, some decent play up the wing, and then some incredibly boneheaded, did this guy's brain completely leave his body mistakes or like stupid tackles that are just such obvious yellows that like the ref could have been blind and looking the other direction and would have still been able to make that call. Um, I thought he was over it, which is the way that he gets you because he will not do it for a prolonged period. And then he did it again towards the end of the season this year. Same guy. Here's why I'm going to make an argument for good. This league is bereft of good left backs. Like they are. The joke I make is they glow. They grow like they're on trees, incredibly rare endangered trees. And he is a left back in this league. He's also here on a under $300,000 a year salary. Um, We'll get into some of the signings later, but typically speaking, because left backs are hard to find and good left backs are nearly impossible to find, you're willing to spend more on them than you are right backs, but that has not been the case under Heights. So for grading on a curve, I would say he's good. If we're being realistic, just given what he gives you and what he takes away with those stupid mistakes that there is absolutely zero reason that he has to make, I would say back to Matt. Mm. I'm going to say Matt just because, again, like he's been better in these last couple of years. I've definitely improved him. But, oh my God, he was so bad at the beginning. He no, was so bad. For- genuinely. Like, That's why I'm also keeping him at Matt because at yeah. the beginning of his tenure, I was like, oh my days. But now, now it's like, all right. 
Honestly, though, I, I think that you've got to say, like, when you're signing a player, you're not just signing who they are right then. Like, sometimes you are. Like, you don't sign 38-year-old Kai Kamara because of his future, but sometimes you are signing the future. Yeah. My point still stands in in Matt. That's with my yeah. thinking. If you got one. I'm going to go ahead and put our next guy uh, in good. And considering Alan will agree. Um, hold up, I can't see because of um is <laughs> wait, is that yes, the legend yes. Bobby Shuttleworth. Yes, of <laughs> course he is good. And I will make my point in saying he came in when he was needed off the bench for when um Kenneth Cromholm came off for the last time ever in a fire shirt uh during the MLS's back tournament. He came on and he proved to be like the the goalkeeper, like in my opinion. Um, of course, his t- his tenure was ended once Gaga Slonina came in. Um, but still, I think he did exactly what he was asked to do and he did a great job. And also he was a leader. Like if there was any player that was always yelling and and like just giving directions, it was him out 100%. of any of the players that were on the pitch during his time. He was the one that I think at during his tenure, he was the player that cared the most out of anyone. Amen. Like so, the exact good. the epitome of like a good signing, signed to be a backup, ended up being a starter, took it on, did a good job. And he was a leader 100%. with it. And like 100%. I mean, yeah. if I didn't think this, I wouldn't have his signed jersey and gloves. So one so. of the secret things about about soccer is that a lot of the time the backup goaltender is actually one of the biggest leaders in the team. They're the ones that just have experience. They're the ones that have just the sense to make it all work. He's one of them. Amen. So he's the first person in our good category and genuinely, you know, big up to Bobby and hopefully he's enjoying his retirement. Yay. Next up is another guy I also love. Wyatt. Wyatt Omsberg. Um, I mean, very similar in the in the case of Bobby, someone that has been on and you know on and off the bench as a backup sort of role, and when he has been called up, both to both as like a replacement or as like a starter, when especially when he was having that breakthrough um, in the beginning of the season before the injury, you know he was also he maybe not wasn't like a loud leader. But he definitely was—he was more calm, composed. But he definitely was somewhere, someone that also, like Bobby, did his job to the max and cared about doing his job to the max. One hundred percent. The injury was really rough on him. It seemed like he was starting to get his footing back this past season, which is really good to see. Um, unfortunately, it seems like maybe it did derail, derail his career prospects a little bit. But uh, still, phenomenal guy. Really glad to have him on the team. Yeah. Genuinely, genuinely. Um, do you have anything to say about him, DJ? I mean, there's a reason why the fire center back death right now is very good. And Hansberg is a big reason. I mean, amen, I say to that. Boris Sekulich, I'm pretty sure that is, right? Boris Sekulich. Every time I hear his name, I, I think about like the 2021 and I think it went on to 2022 seasons when the the fire really tried to do this like call and response thing with the starting 11 where they would say the player's first name. 
and then nobody knew what the heck was going on, and so it would just be silent. So they would say Boris, and you'd hear somebody like, like that didn't even that's, come. Yeah, that was me probably because I actually I I I would I would love to, I I like actually loved it. I love to. Do I tried to get I tried to get it going. It's just like it's one of those things where like you know you're like trying to get something happening with you and your friends and like no one else is in it. You're just like, all right, that, yeah, fine. Yeah. After a so, while, I kind of just feel embarrassed by doing it. That's the way that felt, but that's my hearing his name. That's basically my response because that's the most I think about him. Yeah. Um, I, I think he was a perfectly serviceable right back in MLS. I do not think he was paid like a, perfectly serviceable right back in MLS. I feel like he was paid substantially more than that. Um, which again, gets to my point that I made about Mickey, which is like Mickey at 300K just seems like a value when you're paying secular more than twice that. Damn. But I don't know. I don't know where to put him. He's mad because he was honestly a very average replacement level right back in this league. And he was earning like good, like top level player in that category money. Yeah. All right. Um, next up is, um, Oh, hold up. Uh, yeah, DJ. Hey, you're currently for reference. Ryan Hollings had, uh, one of the better right backs in the league. Makes about a hundred, and forty less than he did, like hundred forty thousand yeah. less. Oh. And, and keep that keep that number in your head because this is going to come back later. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, so anyway, so if we can get back to the switching, yeah, the switching back, um, that picture is fairly small. Who is that, DJ? Ignacio Aliceda. Ignacio Aliceda. Aliceda. That is another designated player. Um, <laughs> that is that is technically a designated player. Um, that is, that that is genuinely like yeah. <sighs> okay, she was so terrible for, with the fire. So so the yeah, one thing so, I will say. So okay, go on, go on, Alan. Um, no, he he had one good moment, and that was that one game against Atlanta where he scored twice and assisted once. That's all I can think of when it comes to Ignacio Ali say that, that that during his time at the fire. That's the only time I can think of. He was bad. He I mean he was bad. He was terrible. Uh, but. The one thing I will give to his credit a little bit is he arrived and then within days of the first time that he left his home country to live anywhere else ever um, was on lockdown. It was emotionally trying. It, it just seemed like he's a guy that wants to spend a lot of time with his, you know, his parents and his, he was, you know, young when he got here. Um, I think the attitudes of the players that he became close to was kind of an issue. Yeah. And he sort of like fell into a bad influence and maybe in the lockdown got to know his Uber Eats delivery people a little bit too well. Um, but I, I mean, like, I don't think you can really blame him too much for that. Like he did not play well for us and it was not, it was not the correct decision to sign him as a designated player. It was not the correct decision to keep him here, but he did move on. Um, and again, like I, as a person and as a player, I, I, I sort of do feel like there's extenuating circumstances that you kind of have to keep in mind. Um, it, it's possible to say this was not a good player without really judging the person. Yeah, genuinely. Like I said, 
he had one good game, and that's all I can think of when it comes to his tenure at the Fire. Other than like those remarks, what you mentioned of him knowing DoorDash delivers too well. Um, I think next up, the, I think one of the things there was a statement made a while while he was here about the only reason he's still a DP is because that YDP tag gets them some bonuses. Oh, the yeah, the youth designated player thing. Okay, um, Luka Stojanovic. Um, I think he was. I'm. I'm. I'm gonna go ahead and say he was also meh, mainly because same thing with a lot of these players. He had good moments, but at the same time, he just didn't have enough good moments. And I think there was like a few th- problems with him off the pitch in terms of like behavior wise. I, I I remember that there was a few things going on there. Though he was a fan favorite, I will say that he had and the, he that's he deserved those like good blips. That's why I would person, but there were there just wasn't too much. I'd say. When it, so he had some fun moments to watch, right? Like his goal celebration was absolutely fun. Like and, and this is again like a team that has been starved for fun moments. Like the fan base has been starved for fun things to watch. Like the Chef Luca thing was really hilarious. Yes. Uh, the fact that he was donating money to the Chicago Food Depository, which is the chosen charity um, for a lot of supporters, has was also awesome. But like push come to shove, you know, like two seasons with the Fire, twenty nine games played. Like he had eight goals that second season, two assists, which to be fair, like is the most that we've had out of a person um, on the right wing. Um, it, like in terms of goals, at least not in terms of like total goal contributions. Um, you know, like that made him pretty solid. But the off the pit, like the off uh, pitch issues and everything else, just sort of like bring him down to tier. And again, like he was an expensive player for for his contributions. Yeah, all right. He reminds me a lot of Quincy Ameriqua in that Ameriqua was for a while the Fire's go to striker, and he was a Golden Boot winner for the Fire. But if this is your go-to, and this is one of your main starting guys, you're going to run into issues no matter what. It's one yeah. of the things that Jiggly said about the roster in general over the past few seasons. We we have a tremendous amount of like really good depth pieces. The problem is we're using them as starters. Yeah. All right. Um, next up, someone who was originally a designated player now no longer is Gaston Jimenez. Here's my argument. The moment they moved him down... F- from the designated player, I think he's good. The while he while he wasn't a des and he never was a designated player. The moment they were like, "Okay, you're good. You're just not DP good." So I I low key think he's good. No, wrong, wrong answer. Really? Yeah, one hundred percent. No, here here's why. I think he's bad. Here's okay. why. Okay, so a six like. The MLS 101 starter pack is get a ball-eating, like, opposing players throwing six and a ball-winning eight that can play the ball up the field and really jumpstart the attack. Gaston Jimenez doesn't do either of those things. He does not get back on defense effectively. He He does something offensively, but I don't know what it is. And, like, it, it's hard to describe, but it has not produced points it has not yielded goal scoring opportunities for the fire so whatever it is it obviously isn't really doing anything 
And he's doing that. He was a designated player. He has been signed to three separate contracts under Georg Heights. The first two kept him as a designated player. The third one makes him a Max Tam player, but keeps him here through 2025. That is six years of Gaston Jimenez. Teams that win things in MLS have the spine. So, like, that is people playing in the positions that he's theoretically playing in, that, like, central defensive midfielder position that are good, that are game winners. He's not a game winner. So, if he's not a game winner, like, what is he doing? I'm going to say I think he's closer to being a meh than he is to being bad. But he's definitely one of the guys on this list where it's like, if you make the argument that he's meh, you're right. But if you make the argument that he's bad, you're right. So that's fair. I want to say like he's his contributions have been meh to almost good at times. I don't want to deny that. I, I think just based on what he's paid, which again, like it's not his fault what he's paid. Like he's an agent that fights for him to get more money because like that's their job. But for what he's paid, I feel like he's not worth it value-wise. But yeah. sure, in terms of like overall contribution, if we could have him at a bench-level player salary, he would be a really great bench option. All right. Problem is, that's not where he is. I'm all right with putting him at meh, honestly. So, um, so I guess I'm the only one in the wrong based on that. Uh, well, it's I right. mean, you're you're not wrong, but at the same time, he has been a lot better once they took that DP tag off. That, that's that he's one hundred percent the Chicago Fire's worst block. He's the worst block test, right? Like it's like whatever you think of Gaston Jimenez is what you think about the team in general. Yeah. And I think that we all want the team to feel like it's like almost good, and that makes us feel like we want to think that Gaston Jimenez is almost good. Yeah. All right. One that definitely we can straight away put in the good. Uh, Brian Gutierrez. There's just no argument about him as a player, and especially as a homegrown. Definitely up there, tops, top bins. And you can also say that for the next player, uh, Chris Brady. Just two incredible um, homegrown players that have they've from coming in. Every time it just looks like they've played for several more years or seasons than they have, especially for their age. Mature Uh, is what I'm looking for. I am going to disagree only for us to ask for a higher level than just good. But other than that, no. Yeah. Uh, no, he's a great, they're both great homegrown players, right? Like they, they're phenomenal. And especially considering their, their roster costs for the fire. Um, Gucci led the team in goal contributions in 2023. And think about that. Like on a team that has a guy making over 30 times what he makes in a year, he led the team in goal contributions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the way, you you can't see this, uh, listeners, but we just renamed, uh, or actually it was DJ. There was his own initiative, and he was 100% correct in this. Uh, renamed the good homegrown players tier to the only great signings of the Heights era tier. Genuinely. Love that. Um, next up, Carlos Teran. It is hard to truly understate how bad he was at the beginning yeah, how no. injury prone he was in 2020 in 2021 and even in 2022 and but then all of a sudden he picked up the ball from yeah. there like so, he has become a great player now yeah i would 
low-key put him under I'd put him just on I'd put him under good for like because he's picked because he's definitely picked up the ball in the last season I mean he's not just picked up the ball he's thrown it from the, the sideline the throwing into the, the ball box. thing was the thing that he could always do but it's it's the rest of his game that I think that has really changed like he's become yeah. he went from being an occasional defensive liability and someone that was prone to the same sort of like it felt like a bull seeing red stupid defensive mistakes of getting angry at things to being a player that just doesn't do that. Like he has become such a solid player. And this is one of the things like I, I really, you know, like I stated my opinions pretty clearly about what I thought about Heise's tenure. I mean, not really opinions, but where I think the data led me about it. But I think that Tehran has been an example of a good signing because he has developed significantly. And I think he's now poised to be one of the better center backs in the league. Um, if not a center back at a much better league that the fire can make a lot of money off of. I think the thing you can say about Tron is he went from, we need to sell him because he's not doing anything to, we need to sell him because somebody's going to come by with a really good offer for him. And he's going to go to Europe eventually. Yeah. By the way, another listener comment, um, we're doing this on the tier maker website uh, as like we're doing a like shared screen on this. And Carlos Tehran looks like such a baby with like ridiculous. Like I forgot we were doing yearbook pictures this day hair. Um, <laughs> and uh, so that's, 100%. <coughs> and I think that's actually his photo still to this day on the fires website. So check that, it out because that's it's, directly, just, it's funny to see. That's the 2023 roster photo. Like uh, this is all from my computer. I save it every year. And I update it. That's his photo. That's oh, his wow. 2023 roster photo. That is not a 2023 photo, though. Like that's, I, no, I that's, believe that's a that's the no, photo. That's a 2020 uniform. No, that's this year's uniform. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the water. That's the water tower. Mm, maybe. All right. Well, that was last year's. But in any case, we're gonna move on. Yeah. <laughs> um, Chinosa 04. I. Mm, the I beginning of the most. Useless year in fire history for transfers. Meh. Like I, I genuinely, the defi- he's a definition yeah. of meh. He, like, I just don't have anything really to. I know he had. There was like one moment where he like ran with the ball all the way from the middle of the pitch and he went on to score. I think that was against DC in like twenty one. Orlando. Or it was like, yes, it was against Orlando in twenty one. Um, he was a Sapong replacement that never even came close to Sapong. Yeah, 100%. Which says and a lot because the punk should have been depth more than anything for Nico. Heiss, and, yeah. Heiss said that he was, he actually compared signing 04 to Sapong's departure. So, yeah, that's a fair comparison. He was not that good. We sold him to Montreal. We spent way too much on transfer fees to bring him here, whatever. He's gone. Um, my prediction that he was going to score a hat trick on the fire his first year with Montreal did not come to pass. So I feel good about that. Yeah. John Espinoza. Um, mm-hmm. It's another one. That's just nothing coming it's to like, mind. You can say he's bad because he really did not do well here. But at the same time, is he bad because he didn't do well here? Or is he bad because for some reason they kept putting him in at left back and right wing and left mid and, yeah, because he's been good for Lugano since then. So yeah. I feel like that, you know what, like, I don't know how exactly we're qualifying this. Uh, we seem to, like, be changing the scale on the fly. Bad for the fire. 
Good for I'd Lugano. S- Let's make it a I'd, mess signing. Yeah, I'd say meh. Meh. The way I'm going is based off of whatever's happened to the fire. Like if they've been good for the fire, bad for the fire, bad for the fire, or like certain players, so you can quantify any any category. Like Gaston. Yep. Um. Next up, Stanislav Ivanov. I don't remember him playing even when he did, because he came in immediately just injured, if I'm correct. Yes, and yep, he just, got injured very quickly. Yep. I don't. I and even when he came back, I don't remember him. I don't remember a single thing about Ivanov, other than they wore ninety nine. He had a really good game against DC United to begin last year to go to the fire their first win, and that's that's pretty much what it was. Yeah. I, so I just, somebody, uh, yeah. somebody told me that like the sort of like Russian version of John Doe is Ivan Ivanov. Yeah. And that's sort of like how I feel about Stanislav. I feel like Stanislav is a very common Eastern Central European name. So yeah, makes sense. Yeah, it's just sort of like, he's like, all right. I mean, white dude playing on the team, I guess. Like, it just, you know. All right. He was called one of the best players, like one of the highest prospects, and he did nothing. No. Oh, yeah. It, it. To me, like his social media profile picture would just be like the generic one of like the like head outlined without an actual person in it. Uh, because I just yeah, that's generally unquiable. <laughs> so are we saying bad or bad? I'm just gonna say bad because I just uh, on the same on the same point as Ignacio Alicida, we had one game and there's nothing else. So if we're rating players as players, that's one thing. If we're rating them as signings, that's another. And I want to say as a signing, he was bad because. Yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Not Matt. Just as so. their tenure with the fire. Um, yep. Federico Navarro. Good. As silent. But, overall good. Good. Overall good. Yeah, I feel, I, go on. I'm, well, I'm, I'm I'm on a similar boat. Like I'm re- I'm going between good and mad because he's very much in a similar boat with uh, Carlos Teran, where it's he would make silly mistakes. But at the same time, he did have a lot of good moments. Yeah, he had, well, and his progression with the fire has stalled, right? Like, he, yeah. he came in as a U22 player, which he will not be next season, I believe, although he could be wrong about that. Um, and he he certainly has some really interesting dynamic elements to his game, but at the same time, his progression has stalled, and it's sort of the same thing. And I mean, maybe part of this is just playing with Gaston Jimenez so much where he doesn't give you enough as like a ball winning, like offense eating six. And he hasn't really given you very much offensively. Like that part of his game has not progressed. So I don't really know what it is he gives you. Um, You know, despite that, some part of me, like I just, my gut feeling is I, I believe in him as a talent. Like I really do. Like there's parts of his game that I just think I'm like, whoa, like that guy is good. But I, I'm not sure that I've seen enough of it, especially this past season, which admittedly was very limited by injury. So I, I, I would say he's, he's between good and meh. Like on one hand, you've had plenty of good seasons, good moments. You can easily make the argument that he did deserve to win the MVP award in 21. 
But then you have like he he's stalled. He's not getting better. I, I'd say he's good, but he's on that fine line of you could easily put him in bad. I, I or I'm I'm on I'm on that honestly good, but like very much bordering between good and meh. And I think he's had a good he's had a few more good moments to be in good rather than meh. If you agree, Tim. Yeah, that's fair. Sweet. John Duran. Where do we rate him? Because I know right now he's doing fairly good for himself over in the Premier League. We got good money for him. But his time at the fire, specifically. It was good. I mean, like, the minutes that he got, the number of goals that he got from the minutes that he got, he was good. Like, that's... like It, it was a good signing overall. Yeah. Like, Plus, I, I, mean, I don't think we've got to get more complicated than that. Like... And the, the thing is, we he was scoring goals for the fire in key moments. At like, it took him a season to develop. Which he was young. He still is young. He will be young a couple of years from now. Still, um, it took him some time to wade into the team to start feeling what it was like to be a professional in this league. And once he did that, he was scoring goals when goals needed to be scored. Like that's what you want from a guy. The right. fire have not had that since. Swinging. Swing in. All right. Next up, we have okay, Spencer Ritchie. Good. I'm I just going to say, like, as a good, like, he he hasn't had the same opportunities that Bobby Shuttleworth had, but I think that he's the same kind of category of goalie. Yeah. Um, he's been one of the things that is really unheralded about his time is, um how much of a mentor he's been for two separate goalies that have are a decade ish younger than him. Um, that he's been making a conscious effort to be a good veteran teammate too, which yeah. not everyone in that position would be. I mean, I mean, like you mentioned with Bobby, you know, he didn't get the minutes, but he was the veteran presence, how Bobby was the veteran presence for Gaga. Richie is the veteran presence for uh, Chris, you know, so, and, and on top of that, he has some really good moments. He's had solid saves when he's had opportunities to play, including in tournaments. So he's he's been the Flyers tournament goalie this past season. He, I think, did fairly well um, throughout. Amen, I say to that. Oh, captain, my captain, Rafa Shihos. Um, I low-key want to put him into the only great signings. This is a personal opinion. I definitely think he has been one of like the like CBs of the Heights I, era. I will say he is one of the best paid center backs in this league. Um, and I'm oh. not sure he has been one of the best center backs in this league on a consistent basis, game in, game out over the past two seasons. Mm. I'm comfortable putting him as good. Uh, I think that beginning of 2022 he was phenomenal i think that the team at that point was playing like all hands on deck defense in a way that gets you clean sheets but does not get you goals and that's what mm. happened on the pitch and i think that since then i mean I, we remember those moments yeah he had some phenomenal moments and he he did a phenomenal job sort of like directing traffic on the back line but since then i don't know well i mean i'm also thinking that in his role as a captain, he also did a fairly good job. Like, in terms of communication and, like, overall leadership, he was definitely one that, like, out of all the captains that we've really had 
this season as well as in the the in the in the past year, I feel like he's been someone that's really stepped up to the leader no, he, position. He has been he has been good. I I don't think that he's great. Okay, I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna agree with Tim on that. I think he he's bordering there. Like there's an argument, okay. but yeah, he can push. Sense. He can definitely punch his way up there. Like next season, he can punch his way up there. It's just. Yeah. I think his major benefit too right now is he is mentoring guys like Pineda and guys like uh, Tehran and helping them become like, because he's af- after this year, he's out of contract. There's yeah. a good chance he returns. But I mean, after this year is done, him and Shaq are gone. Good chance Gaston's gone. So, like, so I don't know how you feel about this, but my feeling on this is I would be sad if, we saw him leave. I would also be sad if we saw Chihos re-signed at close to his current salary going yeah. forward after next season. Oh yeah. That Absolutely. I, I would not be shocked if they just signed him at like the max non-TAM salary and just or sign him at like a little over the TAM limit and say, okay, here we go. Yeah. No, I mean like again, like I'd be fine with that. Just 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 like trying to tear things a little bit. Yeah. All right. Understood. Um Katsper Pshabuka. Yeah, you just put him in there, and I think we can all agree. Um, just not good. Greatest He's, signings in fire history. Yes. So much money. And the thing is with the signing is when you sign a player from within the league and have to send GAM, or you can't send TAM anymore, but when you have to send GAM, the fire spent an arm and a leg in GAM and bringing him here. They signed him to a new contract, which again, not his deal, but like spent a lot of money on him. and. He just hasn't performed. Although I will say this, he did score more goals per ninety minutes than any other fire striker this past season. I guess, but still, I know. Trust me, I like that statistic. Just says a lot more about the fire striker core than I mean, it says our, about him. I mean, our it's top just sad that six we, goals. I mean, it's it's just sad and that not we, a striker. Yeah, it's it's just sad that we got we signed. We signed a player that just did so well in doing his job, scoring goals with another MLS team. We think, okay, this guy knows how to, and he's gotten top scorer awards as well. We think we would get a very similar product, if not the same. And we've gotten the complete opposite, essentially. So, yeah. Right. Jardan Shakiri. Just, just so that Austin knows, are any of those swear words in Polish? <sighs> Technically, but you can remove them or bleep them. That's fine. Okay. Just play the Polish national anthem over them. Yes, please. That that's gonna that's gonna <laughs> be the Polish one. All right, continuing. Jerdan Shakiri. Meh. 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 The most meh DP signing of all. Can time. I just go ahead and say the only he is in meh because of moments like. It, it, the only thing that's not keep that that's not putting him in bad is because of the moments like against Miami, in those kind of games. Like he has good. He's again. I reference a list. He's made twenty six contributions in the last two years. Like he's in a good. He's made good contributions, but it, it, it's just like he scores a goal and then goes three games without doing anything. He yells at the refs. Because there's videos of this tiny little man yelling at a much larger ref, like, what do you mean? Ball this is my ball. It's my ball. 
Yeah. It's, he, give give me he, the ball. Give me. He, he's been good at drawing fouls at one thing. I will say that. If there's something he's good at, it's knowing how to draw fouls. And so, I mean, to be fair, when you're that small, you're that small, it's easy to fall over. You have a low center of gravity. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. Like, Shakiri is short. He is not small. Like, those are two different categories. And if you'd ever he stood a, next to Shakiri, you would understand exactly the difference between those two is, categories. He's a short ball of fury. Let's be I real. Mean, when I'll just say this. He's always seemed to be in good spirits whenever I've met him. But he does have kind of like resting, uh, just not to swear, angry person face. And given his height, you're just aware of exactly how close to Shakiri, center of gravity, your kidneys are when uh yeah. <laughs> when you're thinking about pissing him off. No, I mean like honestly though, like the in terms of tiered signings, he's he's met like he the thing is, though, with, with him being meh, again, he's not responsible for his salary. Like, you've got an agent that is fighting for more money for you, and, like, that's what their job is. And it's, you know, like, your career is measured in, like, months, realistically. Like, you should get as much money as you can. Shakiri had seven goals in 2022. He had five this past season. Um... The last time that he had seven goals as a professional was 2017-18 with Stoke City. The time before that, that he had more goals than that as a professional was uh, back in 2014-15 with Bayern. And I mean, Bayern has a lot more people that are setting you up as a winger, especially a winger that is basically a decade younger at that point. Like, Shakiri's never scored double-digit goals as a professional. So I, I don't think that it was realistic to expect that he would do that here. He never scored more than nine goals with the Swiss Super League. MLS is not a league. I, you know, and Jörg Heitz may fight me on this, and I will gladly go toe to toe with him on this, but it is not a, a level of a, a lower quality overall than the Swiss Super League. It just is not. So to expect him a decade after that to do better here just was an unrealistic expectation from anyone that was signing it. And yeah, I, I mean, he has, he, he's not, he hasn't run. He, like, it's, I think it's part of the root case of MLS is a very physical league, and Shakiri can be very physical, but he's also very tactical and not very fast, and it's, it's hurting him. Like, right. it's very clearly not the same level he's yeah. used to. Genuinely. All right. Yeah. And so, again, like, that's why he kind of becomes mad because. It, it's not his fault. It just is. And again, like he's not responsible for the salary. He's not responsible for the amount of money that was spent bringing him here. Yeah. All right. Put this guy in his own category and let's move on. Jairo Torres, worst DP in fire history. Yes. By a long shot. I, Legit. Possibly, possibly league history. Um, 41 games, no contributions from a guy that's a winger slash attacking mid. Yeah, no. Good. And a designated player. For Pete's sake. The one thing I will like, say, in, in his defense, not entirely his defense, it's just he came injured. He was injured prior to the fire signing him. The fire were not really fully aware of the extent of his injury. And 
neither was he because of decisions that were being made by training staff. So it's unfortunate. And I just hope that he can get his career back on track, but I don't think he should be doing it here. Nope. That's nope. where we Dugano. I mean, I hear it's a nice sound. Yeah. We we were literally discussing it earlier in the fire discord. We were talking about Lugano, and I also mentioned that I almost went there once I was when I was in redacted. Uh, but I just didn't have enough time. Plus, it's expensive. Switzerland's expensive. All righty, dighty. Now that we got that out of the way, uh, Kendall Burks. Meh. Yeah. Yeah. Like he hasn't done anything for the first team. Yeah. Nice guy. I mean, nice guy. Really nice parents. Yeah. I don't know if he comes back next year. Yeah. Um, I hope he gets a chance somewhere. I mean, like he clearly does like you can see the drive that he's got. Um, I don't think we've had a chance to see it with the fire. I'm not really sure that right now he's MLS level, um, which has been evident by the fact that he hasn't been getting minutes on a frankly, not that good MLS team. So, but I mean, he, he does have drive. He does have a lot of, of stuff that I think he can try to do. Um, I hope he gets a chance to show it somewhere. Hey man, I say to that, Chris Mueller. Um, I think we can agree if he wasn't injured, he would be in good. Unfortunately, he just had that season ending injury that has basically put him on the back burner. Um, yeah, he and, definitely and, was, he was on track to being good, maybe even well, better than that. And he like, he's a good non-DP, non-special money MLS winger. Um, the challenge in terms of like a roster build for the fire is that they had to spend, well, not spend, send a lot of GAM Orlando's way to get his rights uh, to the point that it just makes him seem way more expensive than he is from a roster hit standpoint. That won't be a case going forward. Uh, he definitely had a lot of promise in 2022. Looked pretty decent in 2023 before getting injured. So, yeah. right. I think part of the problem with Mueller is it almost became like he was having to take everything on himself. And it's like, whether that was true or not, you could see a lot of times where he was like, do I pass it to Shakiri or attempt to run? And he's just like, nope, I'm running. I can't. I'm not passing it to Shakiri. The life raft thing is a real, real issue. Yeah. Marin Halle Selassie. Good. Mm. Very good. Good. Almost one of the only great signings. I mean, his... So very similar argument like for Chihos that, you know, he's been very good, like borderline great, but just not there yet. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not sure that like, again, given his salary and everything else, like I'm not really sure that he will ever be a great winner in this league. And if you're not great, do you get paid well enough to be good or whatever, you know, so. Well, we all just stopped talking. So I just, yeah, I don't know what happened. Um, but yeah. I was just, yeah. Well, he is good depth at the very least. He's really, really good depth. Like, and, and like, honestly, like he's got starting potential as long as you're not trusting him to carry the load. Like he, he can clearly, he carried the load fire this year and the fire were not great. So I think that a team that was better, not sure that it carries the load. He has potential. It's just not there yet. Okay. Um, Arnosuke. He got replaced by Johnny Dean. Uh, yeah, that is true. I, I, I'm I just feel, gonna say 
Like he, for the amount of money and the fact that you had Boris and he's arguably the exact same, if not worse than Boris. Exactly. So one of the, one of the issues that I had with the fires roster build in 2020, 21 and like was that we were spending way too much on like a very generic level MLS right back. And it's one of the weird things that has happened over the past few seasons where it's like your prayers are answered, but like, it's like a technical thing, like rubbing a genie's lamp where like you get the thing that you want, but not the way that you want it because the fire then signed another right back for exactly the same amount of money. Actually a little bit more, I believe like maybe $11,000 and like that more per season. I um, think, yeah, it was slightly, it was like slightly more. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, uh, no, so I'm sorry. Suitcase on six eighty, like six seventy nine thousand dollars and change a year, but that's still you know twice as much as we're like more than twice as much as we're spending on Miguel Angel Navarro, who's a left back, which again are extremely rare in this league. Um, and I don't think that he's a better player than Miguel Navarro, and he certainly is a lot more expensive. Um. So it's another like one of those like what are like why are we spending this much money on a right back in a league where there's a ton of right backs already in the league you can get for half the money or less. I was very harsh on him early in the season. Um I thought he couldn't defend it all. He had a good stretch after that. Um and uh by the way, DJ just want to say it because you're looking it up on we can see your screen. For reference, the greatest fired def- right back of the last decade is Matt Polster in the 2017 season. He makes 500k base salary. His guarantee it is 541, but like, I don't think he. I think that's about that's a little higher than he was making with the fire when he left in 2018. Yeah, I mean, like player salaries have gone up in this league. Was one of the nice things about being in this league, um, but like, I mean. That's a lot of money. Like the the that the difference between like you're saving basically a homegrown player salary with with that difference. Yeah. All right, we're almost done with this list. I know this has been a fairly long episode, but we're almost there. We only have five more players left. Jonathan Dean. Overall, I think he's been good. This doesn't I, mean he's been great, but I think overall he's been good. I agree. Okay, I mean. He stepped up to the job to, you know, replace 100%. someone that's been playing, been paid way more than him. So uh, emotionally, I think great because he's got that like blue collar, like working man yeah. attitude that I think a lot of like a lot of us really love. Um, I think when you look at his performance on the pitch, it's been limited. It's his first year in the league. I'm not sure that his ceiling is that high, but he certainly has earned his keep and then some. He reminds. I, I say this a lot. Quite a few players. He reminds me of Brandt, and he reminds me of uh, Daniel Johnson and Drew Connor. These are not guys that should be starting every game, but if this is your bench, you're doing pretty good. You're probably yeah. going to do good. So funny, to Jonathan Dean. Sorry, I was in the locker room when Dean was informed of the guy that wanted to get the uh, fire jersey with the Herald's kit on it, like with the personalized the dean um one of the reporters told him about it and he was like oh man really uh, like you could see his face kind of like lighting up and just the earnestness of him just saying like look man like you get me that jersey and i'll sign that thing um 
you know, truly great guy. Um, that, one of the kinds of people that you want around. That is John, I'm pretty sure, right? The guy that one, has the Harold's chicken. It is, it is John, yeah. Yeah. One of our fellow men in red and one of the inductees to the Tyrus Rose Hall of Fame. Love him. Love him. Um, next up, Kai Kamara. Meh. Meh. Eh. He had he started the season really well, but the second Klopas took over, he just he just vanished. Like he had his moments, but Yeah. 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 Good on him. Good person. Good personality. Kutsias. The 19-year-old, I'm pretty sure, from Greek. Can we Greece? just can we have a category for just like did not complete? Because I feel like he's still kind of incomplete. Um, yeah, I feel like I feel like the next three sign, like the next three are the like, uh, well, I'd say two of them. I w- yeah, I was like, about to say yeah. two are like inconclusive. You could say. We, I mean, he certainly has potential. He has potential. We didn't see it. Like there, <laughs> there is another um, kind of similarly named, like way too, like every Greek name where it's got like way too many syllables in it um, for us to easily remember. No offense to Greek people. Uh, player I mean, that made, offense. yeah, uh, that made MLS newcomer of the year. Uh, also named Georgios, but that one's Gio Kamakis, and he set the league on fire. He was a U22 signing, so was our Georgios, spelled differently, which I still don't fully understand how that happens with Greek, but I'll deal with that another time. Um, Ours did not get that many goals. It did not make that big of an impact. Um, despite occupying the same kind of a roster spot. Yeah. I think I think he very well will be a good signing like next year, hopefully. But yeah, right now it's like you can't really say anything about him. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that he will do a lot better if the team gets better. I, I hope that it does. Um Amen. I'll say to that. Um, uh, so actually, I just realized. I believe Chukamakis is a D- DP, not a not a U twenty two player. Yeah, but he's a, he's same a DP. difference. Uh, he is a DP. Sorry, uh, Alonso Aceves. Um, he's a loney. Do we have to really count him? I mean, we counted. I'm gonna Kai, say Kai or not Kai yeah. Marin. Yeah, I'm gonna say that he's he's just he's just. I, I honestly no. I don't like him. He's no, just bad. I, that's low-key where I'd put him in. He tries really hard. Um, I, honestly, like, I, I I saw him in training before, and, like, you just see him running so hard, like, his hair, which is part of the same way as it is in, in his, um like, team photo. It It's just, like, flopping around as he's trying to figure out where the ball is and stuff like that. Like, that's good to see, but, like, it's kind of good to see the way that you think of, like, a lad was cute, and they're, like, running for a ball. Yeah. Uh, I'm not trying to be offensive, but like that's honestly what I thought about seeing him running for things. Are you saying that Alonso Aceves is a golden retriever? I'm just saying that I'm really glad <laughs> that Mount Bridgeview doesn't have Lake Bridgeview in front of it because if a yeah. ball got kicked in there, I feel like he would have been paddling in to uh, to go get that ball. All right, last but not least, Dumbia. Um, we created a new category specifically just too soon to tell. I mean, we yep. all agree that he's not going to stay a DP. He's going to be brought down. Um, but, you know... I don't even know if he's going to be... Like, there There has been some talk on the Lugano fan page about 
Dumbia going back to Lugano and how he would like to go back to Lugano. Um, okay. I, full honesty, I know we have seen some talk about how the options have been exercised. We don't know how they've been exercised yet, but like, yeah, it, I, I would honestly not be shocked if Dumbia doesn't even stay on the club long enough to know. And if he is, it's just like he would be a meh. Honestly, I think that he's been a good signing. Um, given his salary, I had heard rumors about his salary before that were not even close to being true, um, which says something about my sourcing, but whatever. Um, I think that he has been as good or better of a player. In, like When you look at his highlight reel from his time in Switzerland, he can both win the ball and he can contribute offensively. Um, and he had a phenomenal game against Club America in the League's Cup, which has, I mean, if we're being honest, is the toughest opponent that the Fire have faced in the past year. Um, so to be honest, I just, I feel like he really does belong in, in a category of just being good. Um, he has been good for the Fire, not consistently, not enough. Like the minutes have not been great. Um, but he's, not really a designated player per se. Like he is here on what $564,000 a year. That's less than yeah. like, that's less than suitcase. Like that's under max gamma. That's like, he is a DP by technicality because it makes him a lot cheaper to sign him now than it would have right. been. Yeah. Right. And it, it can help with the transfer fees, which helps with the got like the financial fair play rules and stuff like that. Like, so, but like, $564,000. That is like, honestly, like that is a steal considering I think the production that we got out of him. Um, to give a comparison, um, that's around what Fede Navarro was making. And, and to be honest, I think that Dumbia gives you more offensively um, and possibly more defensively than than Fetty does. Now, do I think that he's really a starting quality center, like central defensive midfielder in a championship quality team? I'm not sure about that. And he is older, but I I just think it's a good signing for the amount of money that he's here on. Yeah. All right. Well, we've gone through um, all the players, top to bottom of the Heights era, and we have, you know, we've properly rated them. Uh, at least for us, you know, of course, y'all may have your own opinions on them, but I hope you guys enjoy, especially with this episode being a bit longer than I think, I think just a bit than we have were originally expecting, but I think this is one that we can all enjoy listening. And let us, uh, and let us know what your personal opinions are. We're going to drop Alan's girlfriend's name and address, uh, mailing <laughs> address into the show notes so that you can send her postal mail. Yes, please tell, please tell her exactly how you feel. Yeah, and let, she let will me pull let up me her know. address. Yes, and as he's doing that, uh, one thing I will add in terms of just notes and overall news, if I can find it, Jesus, a truth about Christ, found it. Okay, um, of course, uh, those who aren't aware of Men in Red had their, uh, uh, sort of, you know, season accolades of uh, like end of the season votings of what the fans thought. 
the the fire the MIR ninety seven fan awards. Uh, who was the league? Uh, the fire two MVP that was uh Luca Prea. Uh, how do you say his last name? Oh, Perpa. 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 I'm I'm so sorry. That's a great way to start. He was our fire two MVP. Uh, newcomer of the year, Marin Halasalase. Young player of the year, as well as most improved player of the year, Brian Gutierrez. And then defensive player of the year, as well as overall MVP of the year, Chris Brady. And then also um, goal of the year was Sheridan Shakiri's goal against uh, Montreal. And then, of course, game of the year was the 4-1 win against Miami. Uh, you guys can read into that, of course, on the page meninred97.com, where you can also read Tim's article about George Heights if you really want to get into that as well. Uh, it's so long. It, it's been a work of... um, It's been a lot of work. I, I can confirm. We have seen... We have insider info on it. It is 19 Google document pages long. This man... Including pictures, though. It includes a lot of pictures. That's true. This, we love pictures. This man is taking after Jiggly. <laughs> I... I did tell Alex that I was channeling Jiggly on this, but it's, I'm trying to be as objective as possible. I'm trying to break down the data as objectively as possible. And just the analysis that I give, I think is where the data led me with this. Um, I will say I've got nothing against Heights personally. And if he completely proves me wrong next year, I would be incredibly happy about it. I would want nothing more than to be like for the fire to win the supporter shield next year and Georg Heights to be right there with the team as they're celebrating and then celebrating winning the MLS cup a couple months later. I would be, I would love nothing more than that. Of course. We I never, just don't we, see we, it happening. Yeah. And, you know, and I lay out the case why I don't see that happening. Yeah. We, we never illy wish in terms of success or, or in any case, really, of course we only want the best. But of course, that means we want except the best for crew fans who we do not wish the best. Well, well, in terms of the fans, in yeah. terms of the fire, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. All right, anyone have any last minute thoughts, words of wisdoms that we need to uh, that we need one to lay thing, on? I will say one thing about heights. One thing that I've been thinking of as of late, according to Tyrus, during the summer window when the fire after the league's cup, all of a sudden Mansueto switched to wanting to go with. Like heights, stick with heights. Part of me is wondering if part of the reason for that is that heights knows the more than, or that Mensuela knows more than likely the fire going after either Razov or someone who doesn't have a lot of experience. And he's sitting here saying, Listen, I don't want to have to do all this over again with a brand new guy because I know Marsh more than likely is not coming and neither is Curtin. Or probably Arena. So I'm beginning to wonder that. That is just something I am putting out there. Oh boy. That's right. possible. Um, there's other positive. Well, we, we can get this is another episode. Um, the only other thing that I do want to say is uh, make sure to, like, if you're not following us on all the socials already, um, please do, if for no reason, other than to check out the phenomenal graphics that our team put together yes. for the team gorgeous. awards. They they are phenomenal. They hit it out of the park. They are absolutely gorgeous. And like honestly, like um I, I want posters of all of these. Um they're just great. 
Amen, I say to that. All right. Well, thank you for joining us for this, what seems to be, I think, the longest episode that we've ever made so far. I feel no. like... This is this is the second longest. The longest was kick or keep. Well, I mean, this is essentially the same thing. These player ratings are always going to take longer than expected because we so just have a lot of So what we've learned is to divide these up into different categories by like midfielders, forwards, defenders, or something like that. Because do that. But yeah. also why? Jesus Roosevelt Christ. No one got time for this. Jesus H. Roosevelt Christ. To say. To, to Only in your religion. religion. I guess. Not according to the Bible that I read. <laughs> Tim, the right. Bible you read was made out of horses. <laughs> All right. Let's let's finish this. <laughs> As always, I am Alan the Polish Gold, joined by Tim and DJ. Come on, you men in red. Come on, you men in red. Let's go.